0: Welcome, Happy Dog Training, and welcome to another episode of Dog Talk. Today's episode is about clarity. Clarity in training your dog, clarity in living with your dog, clarity in communication with your dog, clarity in general. So what, what do I mean by that, clarity? So generally speaking, and this applies to everybody, this is not dog specific now, every being functions best when the parameters of interaction are understood. If you, I, anyone can predict the outcome of your actions in an environment, you're gonna be far more at ease than if you can't. If you're in a group of people and you share a thought and you know that in this group of people you're in, people will listen and engage with you that will put you at ease in doing that if you're in a group of strangers you may not speak up you don't know what the reception will be when you do so you have no clarity about what's going to happen next so maybe they ridicule you maybe they listen maybe they don't you have no idea right and then it depends really on a lot of factors if you're gonna do it anyways or not but clarity in your environment, clarity about what's going to happen next when you do something makes a huge difference in your comfort level anywhere. So let's take an extreme example like someone, let's say an electrician who works for the power company and he works up there on the power poles and there's millions of volts going through those lines. There's millions of volts and amps that will kill you running through those power lines is the guy standing up there or hanging up there on his equipment almost having a heart attack when he goes to work every day? No, he's not. He understands his job. He understands what's safe up there. He understands how to do everything correctly. He understands the risks and what what he can and cannot do, what he needs help with, what equipment's needed to do it correctly and safely, how to turn it on and off. Like He has complete understanding of everything he's looking at and how to do it correctly. He just has to pay attention to doing it correctly, but he knows how. He knows if I do this and I do that, I will be safe. (laughs) I'm not an electrician, obviously. But it's about understanding the parameters of interaction in this context. So whenever the parameter of interaction understood, anyone functions better. That should be pretty straightforward. Another example, I think I had another podcast I mentioned. Let's say we have a room, and I'll send you into that room, and when you step on certain places, you're going to get an electroshock. But you have no idea what those places are. You just wander in there, and every step you take, is like you don't know if it's going to happen or not. Um, It's going to be pretty stressful to live like that or to go through this room. Same room, same scenario, but... We're painting white and red areas on the floor so you know we can safely step. White's safe, red's not. We're telling you, stay on the white, you will not get zapped. If you step on red, you will get zapped. You can now walk through this room perfectly, you don't have a problem. You're going to be careful, you don't want to step on the red, but you know exactly where to go. So you now have clarity about your environment. Even a room that per se could be unpleasant has now become clear in terms of what is and isn't safe, right, so... These are obviously artificial examples, but they all give a good idea of what I mean. So clarity has a pretty broad meaning and understanding. If you understand how the world's going to react to you, what the parameters are, what the responses are going to be, I do X, people are going to do Y, that kind of thing, um, makes you just feel way more at ease, makes everything better. That is no different for your dog. And that is what we mean, what I mean, when I say clarity. So let's take a little sidestep here on the type of approaches that dog trainers take with dogs. So there's obviously as many opinions on dogs as there are dog trainers, which is unfortunate, but there generally are two camps. And they'll have different names, but um, let's call one the The pack leader group and the other one, the cooperative partner group. I like those phrases. So in the pack leader group, it's all about structure. You have to be the leader. You have to do this. You have the dog has to walk next to you. He doesn't get to walk ahead. He doesn't get to go on the sofa. Like all these things that you probably have heard on TV, the pack leader group wants a lot of structure. Structure creates an environment in which your dog's going to do well. That's group number one. Second one is the cooperative partner group. Cooperative partner group means that's my buddy, my dog's my buddy, I don't really care, I, uh, I want him to listen, i tell him something, I need him to listen, so I'm teaching teach him what that means. If he does something I can't have him, I'm going to teach him don't do that. Uh, so he understands and stops. And outside of that, I don't really care. I, I'm not going to put him in a place every time the doorbell rings, I'm not going to constantly boss him around with commands, I don't care where he walks as long as he doesn't pull on the leash. So it's things like that where you're just way more relaxed about how you live and interact with your dog. And that's the cooperative partner group. So each group feels very strongly that their approach is the right approach. And if one of them would have the ultimate truth about that, the other group would have to live in other chaos. So if if the pack leader group would be the Correct group say this is the way you have to go, everybody in the cooperative partner group would be basically eaten alive and it would be no, would be like complete chaos in those homes. And vice versa. So the people who think oh, it's just about teaching and don't do anything and these people over there, they just have a miserable experience with their dog. Um, both groups are wrong. Right? There's obviously dog trainers in homes where it's managed one way and it works very well, and the dogs are happy, and dogs and homes where it's managed the other way and it works very well, the dogs are happy. So it's not that one team has found the fountain of wisdom and the other one is just fundamentally wrong about everything. It is that there is a common denominator in my view. And to me, the common denominator of this is clarity. Both groups create clarity. They just go about it a very different way. So if you're in the pack leader group, you create clarity by having clear structure. A lot of structure. The doorbell rings, go to your place. Sleep in a crate. Close the door. Sit before I give you a treat. Sit before I give you food. Walk next to me. Don't walk ahead. Don't go out the door first. I go through the door first. I'm not saying these things are good or bad or right or wrong, I have my no opinions on all of these, but it's not about that. This is about how the the pack leader group generally views you should operate your life with your dog. That's how you should be interacting. That's a general idea. Don't let the dog be on a sofa, don't let him be on a bed, that kind of thing, right? Um, and that creates clarity for the dog. You take every situation and you give them rules. These are the rules, this is what we do, this is what we don't do. So it's, it's a lot bossing around. Um, a human would probably take a lot of issue with that if you did that to them. I'm not sure your partner would stay around. I think your kids would move, probably move out as soon as they could, if this is how you run your household. But with a dog, um, A, the dog can't walk away. And B, dogs have clarity in this environment. Dogs are used to rules. Rules are not a foreign concept to dogs. They understand them. I mean, with their own kind, there's rules. Right? So when they live in packs in the wild, there's rules. This, we forget this because we here in the United States we have I think like 80, 85 million or so dogs that live in homes with us. A lot of dogs in this country, and that is a minority of dogs in the world. Last I heard, it was like something like a three quarters of a million dogs, like a bi- sorry billion dogs. So there will be like 750 million dogs. I heard somebody say they we have in the world worldwide, and only a third of those live in homes with people. Right? There's lots of wild dog packs out there. So we have actually dogs roaming around the countryside, roaming around on streets in other countries. There's, I mean, there's wild dogs in Africa. I mean, there's dogs everywhere. There's dogs all over the world. And the majority of those dogs doesn't live with people. So we definitely have access to watching what they do amongst themselves. Right? And that's Rules is something dogs understand. So if you come with a boatload of rules and everything has a rule and everything has an order and everything has a command, a dog can perfectly fine arrange himself with that. He may or may not be happy or she may not like it or not, depending on the dog, but it's clear. We understand what's expected. So, yep, yeah, we can operate that. So this can be okay for a dog. It's not that it has to be a miserable experience. It depends on the dog. On the other side... If you let your dog pretty much do what they want, but hold them accountable to the things you care about, you also get order, just a different order. And it's an order that can work very well. I'm actually in the second group. So I was in the former group, in the pack leader group, when I very when I started training dogs very early on. Uh, that, that was appealing, and I was actually able to fix some problems with my own dogs at the time That came with my ex-wife back then. But it works. It's just stuff you can do this way. But I ultimately moved into the other group. And it wasn't like today I'm in the other group. But right? it's like over time I migrated and just realized that you don't have to do this, or you don't have to do that, and that doesn't matter either, and that's not relevant and that's makes no sense. And like, so it was over time I just realized what isn't isn't important. And I've also personally changed on what I care about. Um, with my own dogs, they're my companions. And I, I don't have a lot of rules for them. I have, if they do something I can't have, I'm, I'm clearly communicating that and it stops, and that, that's what matters to me. But everybody's different, right? You may have different criteria, and that's fine too. This is not about what's right or wrong. Everybody has their own wish and how this should be. And that's fine. Is, you, you, do, you do what you want to do. The point is, both work. So if, if you just intervene, you let your dog basically do what they want, but you intervene when they do something you can't have and either show them what else would be appropriate or just say that's a no, don't do that. So you have to you would penalize something that you just can't have, right? Eat the sprinkler heads, or chase your tail and mutilate yourself or stuff like that. Um, if you just do that, you have a completely different relationship. Um, with your dog but you still have order because the things you care about you have addressed Uh, if you want your dog to sit in front of new people so they can pet you you teach that is that a requirement no do i do that no do some people want that yeah so um it's fine i to me i don't care I i don't care if my dog stands there or I don't want him to jump up on people that come through the door, right? So I have to deal with that if, that if my dog does that. But I can teach him not to do that, and then he can go say hi and be on the ground with his four paws, keep them all on the ground. He can sniff the person. He can stand there. He can sniff them. He can sit down. He can lie down. I don't care. Maybe you do. I don't. <coughs> but the point is I can create still a clear structure just through training in this case. Not through constantly establishing, there's a rule for this, there's a rule for that. I don't have to do that. I just see what you do, and if I have a problem with some of it, then I'll, I'll let you know that's not okay. That's a training approach, and it's a more cooperative approach. The the cooperative partner group is the one, establish some training, teach the dog to make good choices, uh, make good choices at liberty. You intervene when the dog makes a poor choice and sure, well, that's not okay, you can't do that. Outside of that, well, pick something else. You know, it's um if you make a poor choice again, we'll have to tell you that's not okay either. But sooner or later, we're gonna come to something I'm okay with. Um unless it's like really something where like, okay, you made too many poor choices, we'll have to actually tell you what to do here, we have to manage that one differently. But we give the dog an opportunity to be him or herself and only intervene if we really have to. So that's the cooperative partner approach. And both can create homes and environments that have total peace. They have harmony. Everything works smoothly. It's not a problem. So it's not about um, taking one route over the other. It's about being clear with your dog and what you want and what's expected and what leads to what. So if it's simple. It's every time you jump up at a person. Let's say a person comes in, my dog jumps up. If every single time I go, nope, take him by the collar, take him to his crate, put him in his crate, as a response to jumping up, it'll stop at some point because he gets locked up. Right? There's nothing dramatic you're doing. It's just like, nope, can't do that, put it in your crate. So it will stop eventually. I'm not saying that's the fastest way of doing that. I'm not saying that's the best training approach. Well, it'll eventually work out because the dog's going to pick up on that. That's the response to jumping up. Okay, I don't like it, so I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, it's about creating an environment in which your dog can understand what you're asking. So let's give me give a couple of other examples on this. Um, one thing that people say a lot in a context where it doesn't make sense is the word down. Let's say your dog's lying on the sofa. And you tell them down because you want them off the sofa. If you talk down means lie down, that makes no sense. That is not clear. That is not clarity. That right? is confusing. I'm lying down already. What are you talking about? Oh, the sofa is the problem. But, but that lets me on the sofa. Why can't I be on the sofa? So, so you have you have to be clear in what is not isn't okay and communicate that appropriately. It could be that one person in the home likes the dog on the sofa with him they can put their head in their lap and they scratch him they lie there, while the other person doesn't like the dog doing that with them, you can totally teach them. you can do it with me, you can't do it with, her, with them. That's fine. As long as it's consistent and clear. So you just have to teach it in a way that is clear. You can't use and confuse command words that you have taught. So If the dog jumps up at the person, down is the wrong command. Down means lie down on the ground. The dog's excited right now. That's not going to happen, right? Unless it's a really classic conditioned response, you're not going to get a down and this jumping behavior. It's just not um, the best approach to go about that. And that's not what you really want either. You don't care if he lies down. You care about him not jumping up. So train a different word or teach him to not do that to begin with, and you don't need to even tell him. So create clarity about what does this word mean? What does that word mean? What's this command? What's that command? Does sit, when I tell you to sit, what does that mean? Does that mean you just put your butt on the ground briefly and that's it? Or does it mean put your butt on the ground and stay there until I tell you otherwise? And it doesn't matter if I move around. It doesn't matter if I move out of sight. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter if you hear something. It doesn't matter if there's cookies dropping on the ground. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. If I say, say, sit, you have to sit. You have to stay there until I tell you something else. If you teach that, you have what's called literal obedience. The dog understands sit means put your butt down and stay there. It's all included in this one command. Stay there, ignore things can be part of just sit. So now there's clarity about sit. It doesn't mean you get to lie down. It doesn't mean you get to walk away. It doesn't mean you can get back up when you feel like it. Nope. Means stay there. <laughs> sit and stay. Or same with the down and stay. All right. So you have to create clarity around what that command includes and what it doesn't include. And if you, let's say, you teach the dog has to stay there but you've never shown him that you walking away from him in that situation is still part of that picture. Then to the dog, that isn't clear. And he may make the assumption that walking when you walk away, he should follow you because he normally follows you and you, don't like, you like that. You've always shown him that you like when he follows you. Now you're walking away. Maybe he wants to follow you because he's used to doing that or he just likes following you. And you have never explained to him, no, when I sit down, you don't follow me. When I say down, you stay there until I come back. Or I'll tell you to come or say something else. But staying there when I walk away is part of that command and that picture. But you have to include that in the training. So if you don't include that in the training and the dog makes the wrong assumption, you have to clarify. It's not that he makes a mistake if he doesn't know that that's part of it. But you have to teach that first. So That's also part of clarity. And it's only clarity if the command is very clearly defined. So you should think about, what does my sit actually mean? What does my down actually mean? What does my place actually mean? What, what, what are the commands when I say them? What do I expect my dog to do or not do anymore when I say a specific command word? Think about that right? and train accordingly. And then generalize accordingly and discriminate accordingly and create fluency around that accordingly. So, if you if don't make these components that you would like to be part of a SIT part of the SIT during training, your dog can't know. And then, if they make the wrong assumption, you can get mad at them. You just have to realize, well, I didn't include that. Now we need to include that. We need to add that. He needs to learn that's part of it. So, it's not about that he now breaking the command. He doesn't understand that staying there is included when you walk away. And so it's it's part of the te- the training process. You have to, during the acquisition stage, make sure you include that. And that's, again, clarity. So clarity in commands has to include all the components that, that you want to be included. And everybody will have different requirements, and that's fine, too. There's not like it has to be this for everybody. It doesn't so it has to be that what you want it to be and ultimately it's your home so what, what you want to do in your home is also up to you I, I don't even know how many people have asked me this over the years or it's how happy they were that I said something about it about the jumping or being on the sofa or being on the bed well I mean you're probably going to say I can't put my dog on the bed but can I is that really true I like him on the bed so Okay, so my first question is then always, is he doing something bad while he's on the bed? Is he biting your ankles or something like that? And the says, no, he just lies there. Okay, well, then you don't, don't worry about it, it's fine. Uh, have him on the bed then. If he behaves himself there properly, then there's no harm done. Um, this, is, this is something, another quote I remember from my friend, Chad Macken. Um, it's not a problem unless it's a problem. So, if it's not a problem, don't worry about it. Um, Can my dog be on the sofa? Your choice. Just because you let him up on the sofa doesn't mean he's going to eat you alive now at night in your sleep because you're no longer the pack leader, right? I mean, these are these are these ridiculous things that have creeped into dog training at some point that make literally no sense whatsoever. It's like dogs, wolves, they all pile up together to keep warm in the wild. They don't care who lies where, they get together to keep warm. So, it like these ideas that have been instilled into the general population through mostly TV shows, I'm assuming, are silly. They're absolutely silly. Um, it, it makes no sense. Like, The dog can't be up there. The dog can't be up here. Why? Is he doing something bad? No. Then who cares? It's not about... You don't have to boss everybody around all day long. What kind of life is that? But I digress. So um, we'll talk about clarity. So hope that makes sense in terms of um, clarity for commands, clarity for instructions, clarity with walking. Where do you want me to be? How close do I have to be? Can I sniff? Can I not sniff? Can I take a pee break? Can I not take a pee break? How close do I need to be? How long is the leash? Like all these things are part of a training process. We teach our dog what we expect from them. So example something I do in training, so now a board and train program, I usually teach two types of walking with your dog. One is a formal heel and formal it's not that formal. So I'm 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 not looking to have the dog look up at me like in a focused heel. So pets, I'm not training sport dogs. So a pet heel when I teach it with my clients, it's just you stay next to me. You come here and you stay there and you walk with me. Um yeah you, you don't sniff, you don't pee when you're in a heel. But this is not how I tell people to walk their dogs through a park. That'd be silly. Uh, this, this is an emergency kind of walking. Where like, no, you need to come here right now. I need you by my side, because I don't know what that dog's gonna do. There's a bicycle coming, there's a person coming. We need to respect their space. I need you here by my side, so that's why I'm gonna put you in a heel for a moment. Uh, and then we're gonna heel you there, go past the obstacle over there, and then we're gonna go back to a more relaxed operation. And that is the other thing I teach in my training program is um, the loose. So loose has only two rules. Um, the dog gets a six foot leash in this, uh, on this command, and there's only two rules to that. Do not pull on this leash, and don't make me trip. <laughs> so if the dog gets like tangled, tries to tangle me up or walk around me, stop that, uh, I'm not going to let him do that, or, or pulls, uh, or stays behind and drags back. No, he has six foot of leash. To operate the world with and I will take breaks and I will let him sniff and I will let him drink and I will let him do all kinds of stuff he's supposed to be a dog and enjoy himself but he doesn't get to pull on the leash I usually stop and let them do things because they're supposed to um it's good for them but that's the other command I teach. So there's heal and loose. so there's two walking commands I teach and I'll tell people this is what you do heal is what you do and you need control and outside of that, walk your dog with loose and let him be a dog and enjoy himself. Um, put him back in a heel here and there if you need to, and then back to loose right after. But that creates clarity of, like, one, a heel, you don't get to sniff. In a heel, you have to stay here. In a loose, I can sniff, I can pee, I can fall behind a little bit, and maybe he moves me, or maybe I doesn't. But these are the parameters of, of walking on these two different words. And we're creating clarity around that. So... Clarity through commands gives you ultimately what you want, but it's a little bit more work than just constantly trying to control and manage everything, which is more like the pack leader approach, um, which I find less and less appealing the longer I do this and the older I get. But those are generally the camps. And clarity is what connects them. Clarity is what makes both of these approaches work. And clarity is what makes the dog, puts the dog more at ease too. Because again, if you understand the parameters of interaction, if you understand what's expected, if you understand what people want and what they will do when you do something, all of that puts you at ease. You understand your environment. You understand what's going to go, what's going to happen, and how things will progress. So that's clarity. It applies to training, applies to living with your dog. The more clarity you create for your dog. About their environment and how you expect them to behave in it. However you go about it, the more clarity they have, the better that's gonna go. And I would encourage you to only intervene if you actually have to, and otherwise let them be their own, their own person or their own dog, so to say. (laughs) But um, good. So that that's what I wanted to share on clarity. It's actually also an article that I published in a, a dog training magazine like a couple of years ago. I submitted it and they did they, they, they publish it. Um, and it's the the things about that is, isn't the, the way my thinking around this was shaped includes several dog trainers. So this is not just uh, something I just dreamt up yesterday. And I couldn't tell you um, which ideas came from whom at this point because it's been like, my my transition from one to the other has been um a, a long time, a lo- a long a long process, over many years. It just like naturally occurred, but people that have majorly influenced everything in in my in my dog training life over the years, are um Chad Mackin, and J Jack Michael Ellis Ivan Balopanov, um especially in the last year since I attended school and became a certified trainer, Ivan's been my main influence for the last several years. Um, it's just a, a really marvelous thinker in, in terms of anything dog related it's just like it's very deep thinker which I truly really appreciate and um, there's also some things from um, don't forget him um, Mark Goldberg a couple of, I mean I met him only once personally but there's a couple of things over the years I, I learned um, from the things he shared and there also have been all of these people have been a part of my journey of shaping me into thinking about dogs the way I do today so um, and I'm I'm grateful to all of them. They've all been an important part of my personal growth over the years. And growing is what it should be about when you're a dog trainer. You should keep getting better. Okay, so that's my um, that's my rundown on clarity. Um, I hope that was uh, helpful. I hope it was informative, found it interesting, maybe give you some food for thought, maybe. Um, look at what you're doing and reevaluate some of the things and maybe reaffirm some of the things for you that you have been doing that you're already like, yeah, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, that works for me, let me keep doing it. If it works for you and your dog's happy, who is to tell you you're wrong? Um, the last thing I want to say on this is, and that, that probably is a big part of why my views have changed over the years, and I'm more of a cooperative partner group at this point, point. Um, and I noticed this with other trainers as well, once you hit over, go over the 10-year mark, kinda it seems to be somewhere around there. Don't ask me why. It's just an observation I made. I'm not sure there's any particular reason for it. Maybe it's just experience. Um, the experience of the dog in training has become more and more important to me as I went. And in the beginning, it's just about, like, I need to accomplish this, and it's about making behaviors happy happen, and making the dog owners happy, and... Uh, um, And then there's kind of focus when you start because you're thinking that's your job. And then over a while you realize, well, the the dog's an important part of this. right? The dog has to feel good about the whole thing too. And you just start caring more and more and more about what's the dog's experience of this journey. And one of the things I've noticed, and it was more than the the last five years, more so than before, because in the last five years I switched really away from food, started in 2017. I think I talked about this in the play-based episode. But in 2017, I started switching away from food-based training and mostly went into play-based training, which you can also do with food, but it's been, at this point, 95% toys. But in this transition from food to toys, um, the dogs really came alive. So I could see how much more they enjoyed the process. And with the dog enjoying the process more, Everything becomes easier. And all the, the the dog owners I work with also have more fun with their dog because they're seeing their dog's having a good time. They don't view the homework they have now as a chore of like is this repetition I have to do, and to do a lot of this, a lot of that, and all the nonsense that um, that that we've done in the past with like how many repetitions, I'm not just meaning me, I mean like in general dog trainers tell the the clients, hey, you need 50 repetitions of that and 50 of that and I've done that myself in the past and maybe some clients are listening that I've told you have to do this many repetitions and um, I was wrong about that but this is written in books, I mean this is not something I just dreamt up yesterday, there's books that say you need these kinds of repetition numbers to this and that and this is the goal and that's the goal and this is documented (laughs) Um, and it's just not accurate so if, if you just create a great learning environment, you make this more pleasurable for the dog, you can create the clarity you're looking for with much more fun. So the experience of the dog in training becomes better, and the enjoyment of the dog owner in training becomes greater. And with that, everything becomes more reliable, and it actually leads to more practice, and it leads to better results and better outcomes. And that's the trajectory that led me into the cooperative partner group. Um just seeing that transition from one to the other and just seeing the effects on the dogs and um, yeah you just when you see the impact you can have um, you just want them to have the best experience in training so I care about how the dogs feel about the process uh, I think most uh, most trainers that I know over the ten year mark do care um, below that it varies some do some don't but over the 10-year mark, I don't think I know anybody. Well, but I don't say anybody. There's a couple I can think of. But the um, the ones I personally talk to on a regular basis, they all like, feel the same way. Um, okay, so I guess I rambled on long enough about this. And I hope this was informative. I hope you got something out of it. And I will see you next time. Bye.